This is First Read, a podcast of Edenton Street United Methodist Church, where the preachers for this upcoming Sunday read the appointed text for the first time. Join us now for our first read. This Sunday is September the 24th, which is the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Greg Moore. I'm one of the pastors at Edenton Street, and I'll be preaching at 830 in the sanctuary and at 1030 in the gathering this week. And I'm Ashley Griffith. I'm also a pastor at Edenton Street. I will be preaching at 1030 in the sanctuary this Sunday. The appointed texts for this Sunday are Exodus 16, 2 to 15. And Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. Uh, We are, uh, Ashley and I are going to read both of these texts. The other appointed texts are Psalm 105. We'll be uh, singing that, I guess, in the sanctuary at 1030. And then Philippians 1, 21 to 30. The Old Testament text, Exodus 16, Matthew 20, are uh, the texts that we're going to discuss today and see what happens on Sunday. I'll start by reading the Exodus text. The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots, cooking meat, and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you brought us out into this desert to starve this whole assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instruction. On the sixth day, when they measure out what they have collected, it will be twice as much as they collect on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning... You will see the Lord's glorious presence, because your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Moses continued, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord heard the complaints you made against Him. Who are we? Your complaints aren't against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole Israelite community, Come near to the Lord, because he's heard your complaints. As Aaron spoke to the whole Israelite community, they turned to look toward the desert, and just then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses, I've heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll have your fill of bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, a flock of quail flew down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the desert surface were thin flakes, as thin as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? They didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. 
The Gospel lesson is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again, around noon, and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Because nobody has hired us, they replied. He responded, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarian. When they received it, They grumbled against the landowner. These who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who were last will be first, and those who are first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. There's so much complaining. (laughs) Ashley? Yeah? It sounds like my home <laughs> at dinner time. <laughs> mine too, mine too. And first thing in the morning and yes. right after school. Yes. And you and me in the hallways at work. Yes. <laughs> the only thing more constant than mm. God's grace, perhaps, yeah. is humanity's <laughs> complaining. The Old Testament yeah. text, Exodus, of course. Uh, I mean, the people are being so dramatic. I mean, come yes. on. Uh, they start by saying, oh, we just wish that we were dead <laughs> in the land of Egypt. Um, yeah, drama much. Yeah. Right? And they were, I mean, they clearly had been in bondage in Egypt. They mm. were forced to make bricks in unrealistic and inhumane mm-hmm. conditions. Mm-hmm. Um mm. And they were complaining there. I mean, the the answer to to God to to the Israelites' prayers in Egypt that Moses says when he comes to liberate them is, "The Lord has heard your complaints. Mm. The Lord has heard your groaning, and so you're going to be liberated." Mm-hmm. Um, and so liberation happens. And what do they carry with them from bondage, but the discipline of complaint? <laughs> Yes, and through the ages. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the the gospel reading you mm. just read that yeah. 
Yeah, read that, and uh, instead of God's grace and provision being an answer or response to the people's grumbling and complaining, the reverse is also true. So in Matthew's gospel, uh, the, the landowner gives so much grace and gives the last to show up the same amount of um, money as those who worked the whole day long, and those who worked the whole day long and got what they agreed upon. Um were mad and complaining and thought it was unfair. Actually, they're right, uh, but they were complaining because God, the landowner, chose to be generous. Yeah. So maybe a maybe a a, a dangerous. I mean, not really a dangerous question, but in both of in both of the texts, the complaints seem valid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so you know, they were promised. The Israelites were promised. Uh, a land flowing with milk and honey and they're in a desert starving and thirsty. Right. Right. Like you promised us this and actually, you know, this isn't what we're getting. And then in Matthew's text, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the workers get what they were promised, but they don't feel like what they promised was actually just mm-hmm. or the, it, there seems to be an inequity right. in the fulfillment of that promise. And so and I agree with them. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, right. I would be complaining too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the dangerous question is this, uh, you know, I think w- when I read these texts, the, you know, the sermon in a nutshell is, Hey, stop complaining. It's going to be okay. And I wonder today if there's not a spiritual discipline of complaint, Hmm. A spiritual discipline of complaint, like that it might lead to holiness, that it might I don't know. allow for grace or God to reveal God's self in a different way. Um, we know that church folk like to complain. No, I didn't know that, actually. <laughs> S- say more about that. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Church folk, non-church folk, like even at church, like we complain a lot. Yes, we do. And that's interesting, seeing as the whole thing is grace and not entitlement. So I'm curious about this spiritual discipline of complaint. I mean, one thing I think is when I find myself resentful of other people's blessings or comparing myself a lot, which is all the time I compare, because I do think our culture is set up for us to do that, because people make money if I compare my looks, my car, my possessions, my clothes, whatever, to somebody else. So we're set up on this comparison that there's for sure going to be winners and losers. There's going to be those who are superior or inferior. Um, And I think a good litmus test for my spiritual health, our spiritual health could be, can we genuinely rejoice Mm. when others are given something, maybe even that we want or wish we could have? Mm. Um, Because I think outwardly, you know, I love to celebrate and celebrate people. And sometimes I have to force myself to do it. Mm. So there's a spiritual discipline, maybe celebration and and complaint are somehow connected, but it, the antidote to resentment and envy is a spiritual practice of gratitude, taking stock of God's generosity in our own lives. Mm and celebration. Mm-hmm. But I know that when I can't genuinely celebrate with a brother or sister, a stranger or a friend or a family member, I'm off spiritually. Like I've got it mixed up 
where I think I'm deserving of more and not getting my due. And I hate to admit that I've been following Jesus a long time and those feelings creep up quite a bit still. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I I resonate with all of that. Um, And I'm struck by, uh, I think, two things in both of these texts in the complaint. Uh, First is when I when I when I think about like complaining as a spiritual discipline, which is not a thing, by the way. Like I'm, this is what's in the Psalms. Three and, minutes yeah. old. Well, I'm saying the phrase yeah. is spiritual discipline of complaint. I like it. Let's like, go with it. I'm We're saying it as though like yeah. Gregory yeah. of Nyssa or Julian of Norwich <laughs> talks. They don't. Nobody's talked about this except us. Yeah, right we got now. your number, Greg. Yeah, we know how you do. Nobody. Yeah. This is this I is nobody. This in yeah. Duke Divinity, no, this is not. No, nobody talked about this ever. Complaining. No this. Okay, we got a new thing breaking here That's now. Right. Okay? Well, I think it's yeah. Two two things I wondered about the spiritual discipline yeah. complaint. Uh, one is it, um, it reminding us of our creatureliness Uh, it complaint is a tool of the disempowered or those who feel um, vulnerable Mm -hmm. even all the way down to my breakfast table Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm my children wanting agency over mm. what's on their plate and when they get it. And if they don't get it, there's complaining. Um, and I think it belies um, a bedrock truth that we are creatures who are vulnerable. Mm. Only the vulnerable need complain. If you're powerful, yeah. there's no complaining. Right. Just do it. Right. And so it's a, it's a reminder of our powerlessness. The second thing mm that I wonder about the spiritual discipline of complaint. Um, it's kind of what you just did in a masterful way. And it's what the texts do. God doesn't reject their complaints. God actually receives the complaints <laughs> and begins to like ask it questions <laughs> until you get to the bottom of it. So... Um, yeah, okay, I hear you're hungry and you want meat. But at the bottom of that is, um, how do you, who are you trusting? Who are you putting trust in? Are you Would you put trust in an oppressor for bread and meat more than a God who loves you? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I hear your complaint. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to that and get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, same in, in Matthew. Like they bring their complaints and the landowner doesn't just say, I'm not listening to that. Mm-hmm. Lander listens and is like, yeah, let's get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I wonder if there is a spiritual practice of complaint mm-hmm. where we don't, we don't react to the complaint, whether it's mm-hmm. our own complaint, complaining about somebody else or receiving something like we're not reactionary, mm-hmm. but we become contemplative and like we ask mm-hmm. it questions like what's beneath that complaint? Yeah. Yeah. What's really down at the bottom of that? Right. Um, right. Yeah. My inclination is to dismiss the complaints in my own family. <laughs> yeah. You're getting eggs. That's what you're getting. Uh, in my own heart. Yeah. To say, oh, just don't complain. Just keep it, mm. as opposed to giving it space, like God does in Exodus and the landowner does in Matthew 20. Mm. And saying, okay, I am a creature 
who's vulnerable and has needs. Yeah. And what's it, what's at the heart and like really examining that complaint? Is there a way to do an examine of our complaints that mm-hmm. sanctify and redeem them? I guess that's right. Right. That's the question. That's what Julian of Norwich said yeah. when she talked about the spiritual discipline of complaints. <laughs> And uh, so I'm paraphrasing. And Greg Moore in yeah, 2023. No, no. Yeah. Anyway. No, that's good. Um, yeah. And and for us to give space to those complaints and to pay attention and to go beneath them and sort of wallow in them and see what we find there. And if we can, maybe God beats us, as God does in these texts, in that grumbling, like it's a process, right? We can't skip over it. Um, or fake it, um, that we're grateful when we're not. So sometimes we have to sit (laughs) in those complaints, and that's why the examine is helpful to look back uh, and say, oh, actually, there were were blessings abundant Hmm. uh, here and there and everywhere. Um, But yeah, man, for me, it's a lot around the, the comparison, it's just hard to quit. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The comparison of the Matthew text where you're comparing what others have as opposed to what you have. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's like. So what do you think beneath that? Let's uh, ask that feeling like the, like the good stuff is passing me by, mm. Which is absurd. I live in a nation with the very most wealth. I have all my needs and then many, many more. And I even get to go on vacations. And, you know, I have many changes of clothes. And, you know, what do I have to complain about? But I do because then I see a friend who I think is so much prettier. And she might drive a Tesla or a Beamer. And, you know, um, her clothes are nicer and her kids are better and her marriage looks more fun and romantic or whatever. I mm-hmm. mean, it just, it never stops, but it's an exhausting way to live. Mm. And it doesn't lead to joy. Mm. <laughs> and um, it doesn't reflect the generosity and the joy of following Jesus, which is true. Um, you know, this this parable I don't know if there's any sort of rhyme to the reason of the order of things, you know, in the Bible, but this parable is one of the very last here in Matthew's gospel. After this, Jesus predicts death and resurrection, and there's entry into Jerusalem. So I'm wondering if this is kind of like spirituality, a 300 or 400 level class. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's basic and it's integral to daily life for all of us, but it keeps surfacing all the way back from the Israelites in the desert, all the way forward to the brother of the prodigal son and God's lavish generosity. Like this is a very, very human thing um, to have that resentment or that envy of God's generosity. And so I take some hope in that, like, yeah, we might never fully conquer this. (laughs) Um, And that's okay. And what can that envy or resentment or those complaints lead us to, drive mm. us to. And how would we even um, make a practice of that practically, to put it into practice, at church, um, in worship or communally in small groups and in other places? I mean, to be honest about complaints. When people sometimes go there, I think sometimes we get nervous in church world and we want to just sort of gloss it over like, oh, fiddly dee, but you <laughs> you have so much to be thankful for, you know, and right. we just skip it right. Right. so quickly because, um, or we relativize like, 
okay, yeah, that's really bad. But you know, other people have it worse and at least we're not this. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many ways we can get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think we've lost some people in the church to that. People who have true heartaches and complaints and there's not a safe place to put that. Mm, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, both in my experience at church and outside of the church and in these texts, uh, I think the the discipline of complaint becomes harmful and not redemptive hmm. when it is rooted in accusation. Hmm. So the people are accusing Moses and Aaron of being bad leaders. You did this to us. You brought us out here. Yeah. And Moses is basically like, hey, mm-hmm. God liberated you, mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to part water. And so you're complaining against God and G and God in the old Testament text takes the accusations that they're 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 sharpening their complaint towards accusation and God diffuses that by reorienting it from accusation to question. Um, even forming like, you know, forming their reception of God's grace into question that when they get the bread, their question is, what is it? And that's what manna means. What is this? Mm. So again, examining complaint Mm. as opposed to sharpening it towards accusation, Mm. which of course in the old Testament accusation is satanic activity. Mm. The word Satan means the accuser Mm. all the way back to the garden. Mm. You know, Eve made me eat it. The snake made me do it. God, you shouldn't have put it in the garden. Like accusation is the, the thing. Jesus is of course the one who refuses to accuse, um, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Right. And so, um, and then in the new Testament, the gospel reading, they accuse the landowner of like being unjust. And he again, diffuses that with an examine, um, are you resentful because I'm generous? Um, and I think about in the church, I think about like the things I'm jealous of mm-hmm. uh, or when I have complaints, it becomes most toxic when I weaponize those complaints to accusation. Mm. And, um, or in marriage. Or marriage. <laughs> you know, yes. just in our closest relationships. Yeah, it's right. such an easy, or with, you know, kids or best friends. We do do that. And, um, what does it mean to be the kind of people too who gently and lovingly show up and sit with each other in our complaints and not immediately take them personally or fire back complaints to the other, but mm. as a discipline of love to hear one another's complaints and to sit in them without um, trying to dismiss them or combat them um, you know, or say, actually, no, I have it worse, mm. you know, with a keeping score. Well, I've done this and you've done that. And so unhelpful. And hard. Yeah. Because our instinct yeah. is to, yeah, like you said, be defensive or or fire back accusations of ourselves, or like see their complaint and up at one. And here's my complaint. And, right, right. Um, I lo- yeah, I think you're right. This is spirituality, like 400 yeah. level, maybe master. This is a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> PhD right, stuff. right. Right. And, you know, we sing and we speak the Psalms and there's room for grumbling. Um, and Jesus models, like, not everything is rainbows and butterflies. And so I'm thankful that we have a faith that grapples with this. And I'm hopeful that by Sunday this will turn into good news. 
be some good news. And also on Sunday, happy birthday, Reverend C. Gregory Moore. It is my Woo-hoo! birthday the 24th. on Sunday. Yes. And I'm working. Not that I'm complaining. <laughs> Yeah. Not that I'm yeah, complaining. I'll good. be grateful to joyful be here. Joyful work. We It'll love joyful it. Joyful work. I'll be grateful the word. to be here. That's right. All right. We'll see you folks on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Sounds great. Yep. See you then.